in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. As we bless you. Amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning from Psalms chapter 61. And at this time, we'll dismiss the kids' ministry and the youth, youth class. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 61. Again, thank you to everyone who's in the house of the Lord today. This is the Lord's day. So on this day that the Lord rose from the dead after three days in the grave. Hallelujah. What a great, what a great God. Well, why did he die? Well, he came to die for you and me. Because, you know, we need to bring a sacrifice unto the Lord. Ever since Adam and Eve fell into sin, and one of the first things that happened was God's presence and his glory lifted from Adam and Eve, and they found themselves naked without covering because the glory of God that covered them lifted. And before God ever sent them out of that great place, the Garden of Eden, no care, no sickness, no war, all good. He sent them out, not naked. The Bible said he made them coats of skins. He killed animals to take their skin off of them to provide them with clothing. And ever since that time, a blood sacrifice was used to give an offering to God, an offering of appeasement, an offering of covenant, and, 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 and an offering of, of, of their of their they're coming to him and, and acknowledging the fact that we need a covering, that we need to come to God with a sacrifice. And so those animals that were sacrificed, God taught us was not enough to pay for the penalty of even one human soul. Why? Because a man, a woman, a human being is worth a whole lot more than an animal. And so he came in flesh. Why? Because he was born without sin. He was born of a virgin. He made sure that he would be breaking that tie, that lineage of sin from Adam down to where he was at that time. The Bible says that in the process of time, in the due time, God came through a woman made under the law. Hallelujah. Came in flesh. And he did so he could die on the cross of Calvary to pay the ultimate sacrifice because it is only his sinless blood that could pay for the penalty of our sins. And not just one person, but to the entire world and as many as would ever live. Because his blood was not just blood, it was precious blood. Precious blood. And that's how much our God loves us, that he came in human form, breaking that lineage, coming of a virgin to die for you and I, that you and I may have a chance to get back into his presence, to get into his glory, to get into eternity with him and forever spend it with him. It's really practically indescribable for us to, to describe what eternity will be like and what it would be like in his presence. So much different from down here 
And even whatever we can imagine is limited by our finite mind and to our finite experiences in the human body. And it's nothing like it. Folks, it's so much more better, so greater than you could even ever imagine. And so here we are. For the last 2,000 years since that ultimate sacrifice has been made, we're still preaching that message. But this message will not always be heard. It's coming to a close. This church age, gospel dispensation is coming to a close. Soon it will be over. Soon we're going home. The trumpet will sound and we're out of here. Praise God. But in the meantime, we will worship. We will praise him. We will serve him. We will reach out to others and preach this good news to everyone that would listen. To everyone who would be open to it. That they may have a chance to respond in faith and accept the proposition of God that if you come and repent and you baptize in his name, he will fill you with his spirit and he will help you to get to the other side. He will help you to get to, in his presence to the, into the presence of almighty God, this God who's so good and who's great. Amen. It's him that we worship today. So let's read from his word, Psalm 61. Thank you for standing so long. Psalm 61, verse 1. David, the king... <clears throat> Writing, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. A strong tower from the enemy. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning on Jesus our strong tower from the enemy. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. This word that will go forth right now, multiplied in the ears and hearts of the hearers, and bless them and edify your body today and touch the hearts, O oh Lord, that need to be brought to your throne. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is our help and our hope when we're overwhelmed. King David knew that it was his God, Jehovah, and that's who Jesus says, Jehovah, salvation, Yeshua. Yeah, Jehovah, Shua, salvation from Hebrew, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, Jehovah the Savior, salvation. Amen, hallelujah. He is our strong tower, and he is our shelter from the enemy. Interestingly, as, as King David penned these words by the anointing of the Spirit, he says, hear my God, attend unto my prayer. He said that at a time when he felt overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but there are times when I do get overwhelmed. And we look for help and we look for the help of God. And he's the only one that could help. And he says, attend unto my prayer. Why did he say that? Well, because, you know, David knew that, that God hears all prayers. But he doesn't attend and answer every one of them. And he doesn't answer favorably to, the, to, to what we want. So God does not hear, to, and, 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 and in, in a sense that he will answer every one of those. Because the answer may be no, he doesn't answer. Hallelujah. He's God. And David doesn't presume that God will answer him. But he's asking, Lord, I know I cry unto you many times. I know I talk to you. But right now, listen to this one. Hallelujah. Praise God. Attend unto my prayer. 
I feel like I'm at the end of the world. I'm far away. So he's opening his prayer this way because he doesn't want to be presumptuous. You know, I don't know about you, but as, as a parent, when my kids were small, uh, and, and many of you in here, I'm sure that when your kids call, you say, Dad, Dad, or say, Mom, Mom, you don't hear every time they call, do you? I mean, you hear it, but you don't answer it. I did. But when they really want your attention, now, all the kids are gone. Well, most of them are anyway. Hallelujah. But my, my older daughter, you know, uh, she, she learned this trick from another missionary kid. See the things you learn on the mission field. Hallelujah. And, and uh, we were somewhere, and, uh, and they would call, and my daughter was calling, Dad, Dad, Dad. Finally, she said, George. <laughs> you know what? She got my attention. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. But, but you know what? I feel, sometimes I feel that's exactly what, what happened with Jesus and blind Bartimaeus. Remember that story? Hallelujah. Many people were calling him master, 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 teacher, you know, rabbi. Hallelujah. Bartimaeus blind on the side of the road with a great crowd of people in, in, his, in his path trying to get to Jesus, get his attention. He doesn't cry out, master, master. He says, Jesus. He called on the name of God. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped dead in his tracks and he called him. Come on. You know what happened? Uh, amen. He asked the blind man, what do you want? He said, I want to see. He said, be thy unto thee as thou believed. Amen. He goes away seeing. Praise the name of the Lord. But it all happened because he called upon the name of the most high. Do you know what the name is? Hallelujah. Let me hear you say it. Amen. Jesus, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And you say, Jesus, you got his attention. Praise God. And so, you know, David, he said, hey, listen to me, Lord. Really pay attention to this need because I feel like I'm at the end of the earth. From the end of the earth will I cry in the deep. And, you know, daily, David barely ever left Israel. Uh, but, but he felt like he was. Maybe he was outside at this time of the commonwealth of Israel. He stepped across the border. But he knew one thing, that even though he leaves Israel, God is still God wherever he goes. Hallelujah. Do you understand that God is not just God here within these four walls? That when you step on the outside, God is still God? God is with us all the time. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, hallelujah. But David still felt like he was at the end of the world. He knew, hallelujah, that there's still a God and God will answer his church. Praise God. When my heart is overwhelmed, he said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, David knew that there will be times when he, his heart would be so overwhelmed that in those times, he's going to need three things. And he mentioned this here. First, he's going to need the rock, a place of stability, a place of strength. So when the waves come, when the winds blow, it will stand steady. Hallelujah. He needs that rock. And more than that, he needs a rock that is higher than him. He said, a rock that is higher than I, a place above himself, above his wisdom, above his abilities, above his strength, above all that he can think and do to answer his situation. More than the solution that he can come up with, he knows that God has the answer. 
Do you know that the problems you're going through right now and you don't know what to do and you don't know how it's going to be resolved? I would encourage you to call upon God. Call upon Jesus because he is the strong tower. He is that God that is higher than you and I. And the help comes from way above, not from down here, not from the wisdom of man, not from government, not from anybody else, but from him who's the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And David also said that he knew that he needed the help of God to lead him to the place that he needed to be. Amen. You know, there's, there's, there's sometimes uh, 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 when, when we're struggling in our walk with God that, that we kind of stray and, and we, we don't quite meet up and we don't, haven't been doing the things that we should have been doing. But God has a way of answering our prayer. He says, Lord, I have strayed. I have struggled. I need your help to get me back to the place that I was. I'm not on fire like I used to be. I'm not, amen, as hot as I used to be. I need your fire inside of me. I need your help because if you don't fan the flames of fire me, I will die out. Hallelujah. And so David knew what it was like to be overwhelmed. And he knew that he was unable to get to that place where his feet would be firmly footed and place him above his crisis that he was experiencing. And he said, when I'm overwhelmed, you know, that word overwhelmed is also translated as faint. It animates also depression and exhaustion in other places translated as, as, as fainting. Hallelujah. And so we're not told why David used this word or why he felt overwhelmed and uh, what the circumstances or his particular situation was. And that's probably on purpose because if we would be told exactly what was the crisis that David was going through, then we as human beings would limit ourselves uh, to that particular situation and think, well, my situation is different than his. Uh, and I know that, that God will not answer my prayer, my situation, because it's different. Amen. But that's the reason why it's not mentioned what David was going through because God wants his prayer, this prayer, to be prayed by his people. Whenever you're going through a crisis, whenever you feel like you're overwhelmed and it doesn't matter where it's coming from, what your situation is, he wants us to pray this prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, hear my cry. Attend unto my prayer. And I feel like I'm at the end of the earth and I feel overwhelmed, but I'm running to you because you've been my shelter. You have been my strong tower from the enemy and I'm coming to you and I need your help and I promise you that there will be many times that I have gone through crises in my life and whenever I have come to God and called upon him he's always been there he's always strengthened me he's always renewed me he's always refreshed me he's always given me the strength I needed to carry on praise God listen we've got a big battle in front of us we definitely have enemies and just like David did and as Christians leaders are especially you have to understand that we're at war and we're not talking about a war between man and man we're not talking about Ukraine we're not talking about any other kind of civil strife I'm talking about a spiritual war that is unseen and yet is very real and you know what I'm talking about from the very beginning when Lucifer started a war against God in heaven God kicked him out instantly and created a hell hallelujah and then that hell hallelujah thank you Jesus there are one-third of the angels of heaven that fell. And they are our spiritual enemies. And these demons are wreaking havoc 
upon the, the people of this earth. They are spiritual enemies that try to get you and I to rebel against God just like they did. And these people that they try to get on their side, the Bible calls our enemies. They're spirits that move upon human flesh. In 2 Timothy 3, 3, the book, chapter 3 in particular, uh, Paul is telling the church that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be, amen, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And this gives a whole kinds of uh, descriptions of what people will be like. And indeed, it has come true. But one segment that Paul says uh, in 2 Timothy 3, 3, it says, men shall be despisers of them that are good. Men shall be despisers of them that are good. You understand that the world is not a friend of the church. The world is not a friend of God. There is a world out there who's living by a different standard, by a different spirit, by a different value, and most of them, I say a lot of them, maybe you don't feel it like that in America, but you go throughout the world, they are not only uh, have an animosity, but they're angry and they're hateful and despisers of God and the kingdom of God. And they are enemies of the church. Paul talked about a certain group of people who were enemies of the cross. He says, pray for them. And then he goes on to tell us, look, we're not fighting a, a war of flesh. It's not a carnal war that we're fighting here. But we're, we're, we're struggling against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places and rulers of darkness. It's all spiritual who are exacting their, their, their influence upon mankind. Hallelujah. And so in these last days, we're, we're dealing with some serious spiritual opposition. And, and, and God has called and equipped you and I, his children, his church, to spiritual warfare. And we're in this fast. And we're praying. And understand, this is not just a, you know, just a, a flyby, just easy come, and go, easy come, easy go kind of an experience. Listen, when you're fasting and praying, it is an affront to, the, to Satan. Amen. We, we are in a spiritual struggle and fasting and prayer brings us to a closer uh, uh, alignment with God and his will and his, pur uh, and his purpose. In our flesh, we are weak and fasting, it, it weakens uh, our flesh and, and our will in particular to where we'll not be so resistant to the spirit of God and his word. And so fasting helps us and it makes us more sensitive to the will of God and to the moving of the Spirit of God. And, and God can use us better that way when we're sensitive, well, when the flesh is not in control. But God is and we yield to that. And the devil is, of course, sensitive to that. He comes and, and he tries to trip you up and he tries to tempt you, try to get you off track, trying to get you to stop your fasting and your praying because we're dealing with oppressive spirits unclean spirits and as a result many of you will feel burdens and you'll feel this oppression and and you'll feel it emotionally and physically and spiritually but understand that we are under attack because we have a real spiritual enemy and if you're not careful you'll wear out and you'll burn out that's why i got this scandal here i'll get to that in a little bit hallelujah it's still burning thank you jesus amen when the candle goes out, I'll stop preaching. <laughs> we got a long wait. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
No, but then really, if, if, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll burn out. And God doesn't want you and I to burn out. We have to understand that as the people of God, we do have enemies. Interestingly, many of the Psalms uh, are, that are recorded record prayers uh, against enemies and against hindrances. In fact, 25, 25 Psalms of all the 150 are, are named what's called by theologians as the imprecatory prayers, which is invoking judgment and, and invoking even curses. Uh, Old Testament, this Old Testament context now, not, not New Testament, but calamities and judgment and so on, you know, to, to the enemies. This is why, you know, Jesus in the New Testament, you know, when you begin to read the Beatitudes and you look at uh, Matthew 5, you know, 43, he says, you know, you've heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Amen. And it goes on to say, you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. Hallelujah. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, God's in control. You don't have to be vengeful. You don't have to fight his battles. Amen. Be flesh to flesh. You don't have to judge anybody. All you got to do is pray for them that their hearts would be open, that the influence of the devil and the demonic forces will be weakened over them so they can come to a place of decision where they can see the difference between the real God and the God of this world and make a good decision as to what is proper for them so Jesus said no don't hate them love them you don't have to love what they do but you have to love their soul you don't even have to like them but you have to love them love them enough to share the truth with them love them enough to show Christianity by your lifestyle love them enough to share the gospel with them when they're open to it and cast not your pearls before swine. If somebody is resistant and, and they're hateful, turn away from it. Jesus did. Don't force the issue. If they don't value what you bring to them, turn away from it. Jesus said, if you cast your pearl before swine, those who don't want it and those that are totally close to it, then if, if you keep on pushing it, uh, they'll, they'll turn on you and rain you to pieces. That's why Jesus never went when he was just tolerated. He went to where he was celebrated. And we'll go to, in Matthew chapter 12, he, on the Sabbath day, he healed uh, a, a man among them that, that had a withered hand. And, uh, and the people in the synagogue there, the, the, the Pharisees asked them, that, uh, you know, is, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? That they might accuse him, the Bible says. That's why they asked the question. See, a lot of people ask questions about God, not because they're real interested. They're really looking for a way to excuse themselves from what not serving God, first of all. And they're trying to find some fault in your walk with God and your experience and the way that you see God's word. And Jesus said, and then, well, what man then is shall he be among you that, sh that have one sheep? And if it fall in the pit on the Sabbath day, will not lay hold on it and lift it out? And Jesus makes this statement. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Hello, all you Peter people in Facebook land. Hallelujah. A man is worth a whole lot more than an animal. 
And a human baby is worth a whole lot more than an eagle's egg. And they got laws protecting an eagle's egg, but they don't have a law protecting the woman's seed. A human egg. Hallelujah. I threw that in for good measure. Then saith he to the man, stretched forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him how they might destroy him. And when Jesus knew it, hear it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him and healed them all, and he charged them that they should not make him known. Why? Because he never stuck around when he was tolerated. You just tolerate Jesus. You don't want to celebrate him. That's all right. He'll, he'll just walk away from you. If you don't like the move of the spirit in the church, that's okay. He'll, he'll bypass you. He'll, he'll come and bless somebody else. Amen. But if you're open to it, he's going to bless you. Hallelujah. If your heart is right and your attitude is right, he's going to be right there. When you call upon him, he'll be there. But not everybody's that way. And when someone is resistant and even resistant to such an incredible miracle, and instead of celebrating, wow, this man was healed, instead they go out trying to break the Ten Commandments by conniving and planning murder against this man who just did good. See, that's what, that, that's what the world is all about. The, 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 the haters, the, the, the evil people, the enemy hates God and he hates his people. It was all the same way from the very beginning. Cain hated righteous Abel. Joseph's brethren hated Joseph. And, and Jesus was hated and rejected by his own people. We can go on and on and on. The righteous seed has always been hated by the evil ones. Those who were not serving God. Don't expect this world to love the church. They're turning more and more, even America, against the church and against Jesus than ever before. Many places don't even want to hear the name of Jesus anymore. They don't want the name of Jesus used uh, in invocations uh, at certain gatherings where it used to be, schools or other civic gatherings. It's offensive to them. Yeah, Jesus said in Matthew 24, that's going to be one of the signs of the times of the generation when he comes back too. Many shall be offended it's a generation of offended people, particularly at his name. But the righteous are always hated by the unrighteous. That's why David prayed, let not my enemy triumph over me. We need to pray that prayer. As you're in this fasting and prayer season, we need to pray that the, that, that, that the enemy doesn't have victory over us. It's proper and good and right that we should pray that prayer. I know we assume that we'd always be victorious because we've got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but if the Holy Ghost doesn't have you and a devil comes and tempts you, then you will fall victim to that demonic attack. It's a spiritual attack, not carnal, but it's spiritual Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I would ask folks that are coming in and out, I will tell you that while we're having the service, maybe you're not used to church services here, but please 
Stay in your seats until the service is done. If you have to go out, then seat, sit in the back so you don't disturb anyone else. All right. Is that good? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Praise the Lord. We want everybody to hear and, and hear the word of God and, and be blessed. And uh, we don't want to have disruptions where the word of God is not being, uh, where the word of God is being hindered and, and people don't hear it. Okay. Besides, you disturb the speaker. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. See, David said, let not my enemy triumph over me. Interestingly, uh, the New Testament talks to us in 2 Corinthians 2.14. Paul says, now thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. And 1 Corinthians 15.57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when, when you have a crisis and when you feel like you've been attacked by the enemy, just understand that you're not the only one. It's something that happens to all of us at different times and seasons of our life and our walk with God. Brother Mike brought up the example of Job. Uh, Job didn't deserve, quote unquote, what he went through. And he went through a lot. But he didn't know the conversation that took place between God and the devil. A lot of times you and I don't know the whole story when God allows us to go through a certain trial and when God allows the enemy to come against us. Now, he, he's already told us that he's going to come. This is why when you go into Ephesians chapter 6 and look at the weapons of our warfare, they're not a carnal, but mighty through God. When you list them, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the, the, the shield of faith, and that loin of truth, and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, he, he has pointed to the fact that we have been given offensive and defensive weapons. And they're not there just to, to be a decoration on us or just to know that it's there. It is there for you and I to use. And so as we're going through this season of fasting and prayer, the question is, have you got your helmet on? Have you got your breastplate of righteousness? What is that breastplate of righteousness? Uh, amen. Breastplate. Hello. It's that righteousness of God, not yours. Because you see, the devil attacks your righteousness more than anything else. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, hallelujah. That's what God's kingdom is all about. That's the number one pillar in his kingdom upon which the church is. Righteousness. Uh, it's right standing with God. You have to understand that as a child of God, you have right standing and a privilege to stand in his presence. Uh, you are not a dirty, rotten sinner. You used to be, but you're not that anymore. If you have made a mistake, if you plead the blood of the lamb and you cleanse yourself in the precious blood, then you're Clean, clean again. You've got every right to press into the presence of a holy God because his blood covers you. You are righteous. You have a right standing. Amen. And too often uh, the people of God uh, are head over the head with, with guilt and, and with things that they have done wrong during the, during the week uh, perhaps. Uh, and it may be something serious or maybe not so serious. Amen. Uh, but they feel guilty about what they have done or maybe something about their past. And therefore, they feel unrighteous. And because they feel unrighteous and guilty and sinful, they don't feel like they have a right to ask God anything or that God will not hear them simply because they're so guilty in their minds. Amen. 
And so as a righteous child of God, we have to understand, we've got to put his righteousness on. The Bible said that, that he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So when we're baptized in Jesus' name, born of the Holy Spirit, we come a part of the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. Amen. And we were sinners, but we were born again. We have become righteous. We are part of him. Do you understand that? We are righteous. We're part of him. Hallelujah. And we have a right to talk to him anytime we want to. You've got a right, hallelujah, to get as close to him as you can and you desire. Don't let the devil talk you out of a blessing and say, you're nothing but a dirty, rotten sinner. That's why Paul said, put on that breastplate of righteousness. Don't let the enemy stop you in your tracks. Don't let him stop you from getting a prayer room and doing your prayer against the devil and his kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Tear down his strongholds. Amen. Tear down those, those demonic thoughts that he puts in your mind. Amen. And pray for the world. Pray for the nations. Pray for our president. Pray for our Congress. Pray for our judges. Pray for our governor. Pray for our mayor. Pray for our representatives in the state. Amen. Yes, pray for them. Paul said even pray for the king. And when he said that, he was talking about Caesar. Amen. That was Nero, the guy who burned the city down and blamed the Christians for it. I'm talking about Nero who was a homosexual. Amen. And married his uncle and had another all kinds of immoral lifestyles. Hallelujah. And he said pray for them. You can affect what happens in this city. You can change this town. We can cause a spiritual revolution, first of all, by recognizing who we are in Christ Jesus. We are righteous in him. We are the righteousness of God in him, Sister Switzer. We've got every right to come before God. And his throne room says, God, let your spirit move. Hallelujah. Lead us to that person who's open. Lead us to that person who needs healing. And when I come, they'll help me to have that courage and that wisdom to pray for them because they're ready to be healed. Amen. Don't go after that, that person who, you know, is a get away from me and throws eggs at you and spits on you. Or comes at you with a knife. Hallelujah. Brother Alphonse was out there, Kingdom Plaza, preaching the gospel. He was attacked. A knife-wielding person. Hallelujah. Try to cut his wires when he was preaching. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God the police was on him side too. Thank God he sent three angels of men that stood there and held back the crowd. The enemies. So not everybody likes to hear the preaching of the gospel. They don't want to hear the preaching of the truth. The world out there, I'll tell you what, I'm more convinced than ever you can see it all around you. They don't want truth. Truth. They don't want truth about anything. They're a bunch of liars. That's how you know who their father is. They may talk like God, but they live like the devil. And they talk like the devil. Jesus said, by their fruit shall you know them. Bunch of liars, deceivers, connivers. God help us. You know, this is why James Madison, who, you know, the father of our U.S. Constitution, he always, always wrote, you know, so a constitution is solely made for a moral people. It's totally inadequate for any other. Because that constitution was written to a people at the time who most went to church and a generation that read three things every day. One, they read their Bible, they read the newspaper, and three, everybody read the congressional record as to what new laws were passed. 
People don't do that today. But that was back then. But everybody knew, you know, what the basic moral values of, of society should be. And they agreed. That's why there's nothing in there about marriage and constitution. They didn't think it needed to be defended. Everybody knew that marriage is between a man and a woman. Hallelujah. We're in a different world today. But when you get a generation of, 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 of twisted minds who have, have become perverted in truth, then you have what you have today. And they have a different value system. And they not only glory, glory on what they do, they hate everybody else that doesn't agree with them. We don't hate the people that think that way and do that, but they hate us and they call us haters. And the action betrays it. They don't just hate us, they despise us. As Paul said, despisers of them that are good. Hallelujah. And we're only good because we were made good by the blood of the Lamb, about the infilling of the Spirit. So we've got these weapons of warfare that he's given us, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Put it on. Means use it. If we didn't have to use it and think about it when we go in the prayer room, then it wouldn't have been that. It wouldn't have even been mentioned. But do you do that? When devil attacks you and puts all kind of guilt trips on you, do you just you put on the breastplate of righteousness? And you know, if the devil may accuse you of something that indeed that you may have done wrong, or he's lying on you about something you didn't do, but you know he 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 twists things and and in your mind he thinks that God hates you and you did something wrong. He can do that. But if he attacks you with something that you know you've already said it with God, you better stand on your confession that you made to God in repentance. You better believe that, that God is true when he said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You better believe that God means what he says and, and, and it's true when, when he said, if you repent, I'll forgive you. If you don't believe that, you can't be baptized. And God will never fill you with the Holy Ghost. See how it's important for you to believe the promises of God that when you repent and say, I'm sorry, God forgives. If you don't believe that, then the devil used it against you. See? Hallelujah. See how evil you are. See how weak you are. See what a devil you are. You're mine. You're not his. And we've got a fight on our hands. We've got enemies. That's not people. They're spiritual enemies. And we've got spiritual weapons and we've got spiritual garb to put on. Now, you and I, in this day and age, not just in, a, in this 21-day prayer season. I'm talking about every day in 2023. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. We've got to have the spiritual mindset and fight in a spiritual way. Hallelujah. The word of God, the sword of the spirit. God gave us this word to use it. Thank you, Lord. So when you start talking about the devil and exposing him, he gets mad. Hallelujah. And he, he manifests himself too. And he, so, so now you know he's here. Satan is among the saints. Praise God. But God is here too. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is here too. And so we've got these weapons of warfare. We've got to know how to use it each and every day. And we've got to stand on his word and understand who we are in him. Because we've got enemies.
You're going to have it still. Even, even after today, uh, in this coming year, um, we're going to face a greater opposition, spiritual speaking, than ever before. And that will be also uh, manifest in, in the people in the world uh, against us. It will come with greater restrictions uh, on the churches. Uh, and you'll see that uh, more and more. But that's okay. That's okay. As you know, in, in Acts chapter 4, you know, Paul, Peter and, uh, and, uh, and the disciples were, were called in on the carpet. And they were arrested because they were preaching uh, to the people at the temple. And they locked them up overnight. And, uh, and, and the next day they called them up before the Sanhedrin and, and the Jewish council. And he said, uh, who gave you authority to preach in this name? You know. And, of course, they told him. He says, uh, look, we, we, we're coming on the commission authority of God and none other. Furthermore, so neither is there salvation in other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says after that they threatened some more and let them go. That time. But the other times, later on, how are you? Peter was arrested in Acts chapter, uh, what was it, uh, uh, seven or eight, and, he's, and he was ready to be executed and, uh, and on, on Easter. And, uh, and the night before, the angels came and uh, uh, loosed him and, and released him. Uh, but, but James was already killed. And, uh, and now they wanted to do the same thing to Peter. Look, this, this, this opposition, the spiritual opposition is nothing new. It's that way from the very beginning, from Cain and Abel through every generation to this day. And it will continue until Christ returns. I'm just putting this in your mind because we, as Christians here in America, have not experienced so much of this opposition as we have in other parts of the world. And, and now because it's the end time and because it's time for the Antichrist to come and manifest himself, who's the man of sin, right? The Bible calls him the son of perdition. Uh, this spirit will be stronger because the church is about to be extracted. We're, we're getting ready to leave, folks. And there'll be nothing but like the days of Noah, where everyone will be corrupt, and will be evil, and violence fills the earth. Not what Jesus said? As it, shall, it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And in the days of Noah, there were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and... Uh, and violence filled the earth, and, uh, and a lot of immoral activity was going on. But, uh, but Lord, the Lord is our keeper. He is our strong tower from the enemy. And I'm just encouraging you that, that God hears our prayer, and he's with you, and he's going to help you. He's going to help us no matter what we will go through. You can be victorious through Jesus. He is our strong tower and a shelter from the enemy. And when you feel yourself overwhelmed in the coming days and months and weeks, just understand that you've got a friend in Jesus and he is on your side. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise Hallelujah. You know, it says in Isaiah, so when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. That's the way it's going to be. Hallelujah. And so it is in these last days we got to make sure that we are prayed up, that we are, our, our strength is renewed and refreshed. We make sure that we're recharged. and We need to take time to mend our nets, spiritual speaking. 
Remember, as the fishermen did in, in the New Testament, the disciples that Jesus called. Got to take time not just to, you know, cast your nets just right and not to just uh, pull in your nets. You've got to mend them. You've got to take time to wash it and to mend it, fix it. Hallelujah. So fix, work on yourself and work on your net. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would. I need that candle lit again, Brother Mike. I don't know if you can see it. In fact, maybe we can put it on more on the side if we don't on this side. Let's do it there. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 12, I read you that story. Hallelujah. Will it work? Oh, here. Let's, let me see one more time. Don't you know it? We got a match. The old way. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful. I don't know if you can see the wick. Maybe you can turn off the platform here, brother. Just up the uh, the temp one degree. But am I up the temperature one degree on the platform on the left? Left, yeah. Praise God. I talked, about, I talked to you about Matthew chapter 12 where Jesus healed the withered hand of that man. And Matthew goes on to say that this was a fulfillment of prophetic utterance by Isaiah. He says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. And notice his characteristic as he goes on to describe Jesus that he shall not strive. He's not going to be fighting anybody. He's not going to be trading soccer punches. He's not pulling a sword. He's not pulling a gun. He's not fighting physically. He will neither cry. None of those, he will not shout. He will not argue with anybody. Neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. And watch this. A bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking flax shall he not quench. Till he send forth judgment unto victory. This is a reed shall not break. You know a reed is, is a very uh, tender plant. And, and it doesn't take much to to snap it, to break it, and bend over it. And, and, and you won't be able to get it back upright again. But if it's just bruised, maybe bending some, but it's not cracked or broken. And this is what, what, what is used as analogy between a reed that's bruised versus a person that's bruised. A person that is not really broken, but they're hurt on the inside. You know what a bruise is? It's trauma, and you see... The effects it on the skin, it turns red and, uh, and blue. I mean, you may see it on my hand. I accidentally hit a, a door frame and man turned all black and blue. That's a bruise. That's the way some wounds are spiritually inside of us. It's, it's under the skin. It's where you don't really see it superficially, but underneath 
you're bruised. And the Bible says that a bruised reed shall he not break. Even though a reed that, can be, that was used for many different good things, houses, like thatched roof, you know, reeds can be put together and bundled and, and you could you know, make roofs out of them and keep the rain out. Uh, God has many useful things, but when it's broken, it, it uses its, its function and its worth and its value. And God says, you may be bruised like a reed. And me, as the Redeemer, as the Savior, as the Deliverer, I'm not going to do you more damage than you've already incurred. I will not break you and throw you away just because I feel that you're worthless because of what you have gone through. And finally, he makes this statement about, about Jesus and Isaiah prophesying. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he sent forth judgment to victory. Hallelujah. Now, in old days, flax was used as a wick for candles. And so what he's saying is, you know, when, when the fire goes out, as I blow on this flame, watch this. I don't know if you can see the smoke from this. But, you know, this, this, this wick is still hot. And what he's saying is, is that when he sees your candle go out, when your fire dies down, he's not going to come and just pile onto that and go, quench it, put it out. Quite the opposite. You know what, what you do when your fire dies down? You blow on it. Now, this won't come back. It's not flax. But it's, you blow on it, and the, fly, the flame comes back. I've done it in my fireplace. You know, the log goes down, and then my log's blown, and it's just smoldering. There's more stuff to burn. I, I blow on it. I've got one of those things, too. That doesn't work. It's got to go down and go. What can I say? I'm a preacher. I'm full of a lot of air, a lot of hot air. Hallelujah. So I blow on the thing. You know what? Most of the time it comes back to life again. It starts burning. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know what? When your spiritual fire dies down, then God's going to send the wind. Seems to me like on the day of Pentecost, there was a mighty rushing wind that came down first. And then there was fire. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's exactly what we need. If you have been going through something and your fire has died out, and maybe your flame is just smoldering, maybe you're bruised, it's a time just to come to seek the Lord and pray, amen, and come in God's righteousness. Uh, make sure your breastplate of righteousness is on. Amen. Plead the blood of Jesus. If you did something wrong, repent for it. Hallelujah. Repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. And he will forgive you. And then pray and get to the place where by faith you can get renewed and refreshed. Listen, God's going to send the spirit right here. He's going to blow on you. And when he does, the fire that's on the inside of that may be just smoldering. And maybe just a little bit of flame will go. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what we need in our hearts today. That's what we, need, what we need on the inside of us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, the enemy cannot put that fire out. Amen. The devil does not have the power to put that out. But God is our strong tower. He's our shelter from the enemy and from the storms of life that come against us. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're like and what you've been going through, but I'm telling you that Jesus is the answer. And as we sing this song, I want you to come and pray. 
and I'll pray with you. We'll pray with you. And we pray that the fire be kindled in you. If you don't have that fire and you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet, you can receive it today. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Go ahead and sing. Well, I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name.